Well, my people, this is the week. This is the week when um, family members will be pitted against one another. Uh, fists will fly. Uh, uh, words will be exchanged that are not glorifying to God. It is going to be an all-out showdown between Camp Real Cranberries and Camp Jellied Canned Cranberry Sauce. Who here is on Camp Cranberry Sauce from the can? Jellied. Just open it up and just, just let it pour out. I'm not even going to ask the fault because you're the winners. It's all about the jellied cranberry sauce. If you, oh yeah, it's going to get real today. Um, if you, <laughs> it is happening. Bring it on. You know, my wife and I, we struggled for years. I mean, years of therapy, counseling, probably thousands of dollars invested trying to overcome this obstacle. And finally, we had a breakthrough. She makes the real cranberry, cranberry stuff and I buy a couple cans of the jellied stuff. And you know what? That's like the whole theme of Ephesians. We can have unity around these divisive matters that can pull us apart. Okay, no, seriously, it's Thanksgiving week. I hope that um, students are home and joining families. I know my son is on break. I hope wonderful activities are planned and there'll be uh, wonderful celebrations. If you're new to America, if you're new to our country, if you're new to the celebration of Thanksgiving, um, I pray it'll be a wonderful new tradition for you and you'll be able to step into it and enjoy it very, very, very much. Um, but there's one thing that we can all agree on. If we can't agree on the cranberry sauce, I think we can all agree on this. The best part of Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving Day. It is the leftovers, the day after Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness, that is the day. Everybody else can run and go shopping and try and find their bargains or their deals. I could care less about that. The day after Thanksgiving starts with a big pot of coffee and I pull out the pumpkin pie and the apple pie and the cherry pie and the peach pie. I have been known to down an entire pie by myself on Friday morning. Don't let this, don't let this felt figure fool you, man. I can pack away the pie. I love that stuff so much. It is so, so good. And then lunch, you get the King's Hawaiian roll and you get those slices of turkey and you put some gravy right on that and a big, a perfectly round slice of cranberry sauce on that. I'm, try, I'm telling you, try it. I'm just saying, try it. Don't knock it till you try it. It is so good. Oh, the leftovers. I have an idea, a business startup. I've been pitching this for years. I wanna start a restaurant that only serves leftovers. People say it's a horrible idea. I don't know why, because I love leftovers that much, but I love leftovers even more because there's a lesson in leftovers. What do leftovers mean? Not, not a complicated question. What do leftovers mean? Abundance, right. You know, leftovers simply means everybody had enough and there's still more. Leftovers means you stuffed your belly, you put your foot up, you loosened up your belt, you ate all that you could possibly eat, everybody ate all that they could possibly eat, and then you look around and you realize there's still more. 
there is still provision. There is still enough. We could invite more people to the table. We could make space to bring somebody else into the family. There is still more abundance, more provision, more bounty, more blessing from our God. There is leftovers, friends. And that is the lesson that we're gonna get into today. And it's a lesson from Jesus Christ and the feeding of the 5,000. I'm very excited to share the lesson of the leftovers. This is a lesson I actually preached several years ago, but I just knew the time was right in my life to revisit the story, to revisit the passage and remind myself, and I pray remind all of us as God's people about the abundance of God's provision and blessing when we only have a little. Here's the interesting thing about this story of the feeding of the 5,000. This is one of only two things, two miracles that all of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of the life of Jesus, this is one of only two miracles that all of the gospels tell. You know the other one? The resurrection. They all tell the story of Jesus and Easter and resurrection, of course, but all four tell the story. And we're gonna read it from Mark here in just a moment. You know, Mark even skips Christmas. I mean, bah humbug, holy cow. He just, he just jumps like right into the ministry. He's like, oh yeah, Jesus is Jesus. And it's like, wait, how did this all happen? He just gets right into it. He ends his gospel with the women were afraid and told nobody. You're like, what just happened with that ending? But even Mark was telling us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we believe this. Then in their, each way, all of them were saying, if you're gonna get Jesus, if you're gonna get who he was and what he did and why he did it and what he can do for us, what he is doing and providing for all of us, if you're gonna get Jesus, all of them were saying, you need to get this story. You need to hear the story and ponder the story and think about what it meant in Jesus's day and what it will mean for us as followers of Jesus. And so that's why I think it's important to keep coming back to this story that all uh, the gospel writers told us. We need to know this to understand Jesus because what he is telling us in so many ways is there's going to be a time in all of our lives. By the way, and also this, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, one commentator put it, put it this way. When you do a miracle and write about it like this, you're either setting yourself up for a disaster or a lot of agreement because remember these gospels were written in the lifetime of Jesus and if there were 5,000 men not counting the women and children so let's just say one for one and one on that one like 15,000 people could have said no 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 that is not how it went down I mean we have great confidence that this happened that this is real this is an event that it means something but we're going to get into then the meaning of what this miracle that so many witnessed, that so many were a part of, what it means for us. And it means something like this. Um, there's gonna be a time in all of our lives whenever we have a little, but we know we need a lot. There's gonna be a time and experience in our lives when we feel like we need a little bit more, but we don't have the provision on our own. You've got a little bit of time and you need God to somehow multiply that. You've got a little bit of influence but you need God to multiply. You've got a little bit of resources left in your life and you know God needs to multiply it to make ends meet. You've got a little and you are calling on God to do a lot. And that just points us to God's provision and his promises for us because our God is the God who says, there's times in our lives when you sow a seed 
And down the line, it's going to reap a harvest of 10, 50, maybe even 100 fold. But you've got to sow that seed in faith. There's going to be a time whenever he's going to ask you to invest a talent, a resource. And he's going to say, and I can bless that two, five, ten times what you put into it. This is going to be the God who says, if you give me just one little kid's lunch, watch and see what I can do with that act of faith. So this is about having a little, but being willing to hand that over to God who can do much. Let's go to our, before we go any deeper though, let's get into the story. Let's make sure we read the story, understand it, and then start breaking it down. So from the gospel of Mark, starting here in chapter six, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Somebody say, get some rest. And so we'll, we'll come back to that. That's gonna be, a, some of you are like, hallelujah, amen, I'm going home and going to bed. And if you need that, well, stick with me and then go to bed. So get some rest. Woo, that's a good word. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. <clears> well, our story starts with Jesus doing ministry with his disciples. It's been a very busy, a very hectic season. Already, I hope some of you are relating to the word of God. It has been a crazy time. And now Jesus is in mourning because in the chapter before in each of the gospels, we read that Jesus's own cousin, John has been killed. So Jesus is exhausted. Jesus is tired. The disciples are worn out. They've been ministering to the multitudes. Now Jesus is in a time of mourning and he just invites his disciples. It's time for us to go away to a solitary place, to a lonely place. I like how the one a translation, a desolate place. There's something about just going to those places. He says, and let's just get some rest. And again, that can be the good word for many of us today. In this season of Thanksgiving, in this time where we celebrate Christmas, please do not be swept up into the push and the pull of culture to do bigger, better, more, faster, this and that, running around, squeezing everything in. My people, 
it's okay to say no. It's okay to go to a quiet place. It's okay to get some rest. And in fact, Jesus can go there with you and give you the deep Sabbath rest that all of us need. Moms, it's okay. Lock yourself in the bathroom for a while. Better to do that than lock your kids in the bathroom. Just do what you got to do. Take your dog on a walk. Get some rest. Get the rest you need. We have a holiday week. I hope you have some time off, some work. That's the good word. I can move on to the next part. If you need it, don't feel bad about it. Get some rest. <laughs> get some rest. So Jesus and his uh, disciples, they go and they are intending to get some rest. Except that when that happens, they go across the lake. The people saw them there going and... They meet them there. And Jesus was furious. Jesus was angry. Jesus just said, oh, no, no, no. You got to love that immediately in this situation, as needy as Jesus was for some rest, says he looks at them and he had compassion. He had compassion on them. And he had compassion on them for this reason. He said he had compassion on them because he recognized something going on in their lives, that they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, sheep need something. Actually, what sheep need is everything. <laughs> sheep need everything. Sheep need to be fed. They need to be taken to water. They need to be protected. They need to be brought in at night. They need, sheep need everything. And that's how Jesus saw this group of people. Now, I am guilty of this. I will take it, guilty as charged. I am all about saying we need to come to church to worship. First and foremost, maybe before anything else, we should come because God is worthy of our praise and our worship. Jesus' name should be lifted high. The Holy Spirit should be welcomed into our presence, into our lives. God is to be worshipped. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? God is to be worshipped. The people of God are to offer their gifts. The people of God are to offer their hands. The people of God are to offer their service. And I compel you, the power of God compels you, give to God, get involved in the work of the church. We have ministries going on that you can be a part of. We feed the hungry, we shelter the homeless, we reach out to our neighboring schools and to the community. We need to be involved, but we can also come to God we can come to Jesus with our needs. If you are in a place of need, I just wanna tell you right now, you came to the right place. If you are in a place of need, you are in the right place because Jesus has compassion on needy people. Jesus has compassion when he sees us and knows that we have deep needs in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our families, in our work. We have deep needs. And Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are needy. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Come to me, all of you who need rest, just as he was going to get. Come to me. You are in the right place. I, I, I just can't say that enough. You've come to the right place. If you've come here with a deep need in your life, I am so glad you are here. Come and lay your burdens down at the foot of the cross. Lay them down at the feet of Jesus. Bring what you need to him and ask him, don't hide it. Don't try and put a veneer over it. Don't try and, you know, cover it up with, uh, you, you know, words of these and thous and, uh, you know, you know just, just, just lay it down. 
just lay it down to Jesus, whatever it is you need, because that's exactly what we're about to see is going to unfold here. They are about to lay, lay some needs down at the foot of Jesus Christ. And so he wants to get some rest, but the people follow him. He looks on them and he has compassion. He recognizes that they are like sheep without a shepherd. They need to be fed. They need to be protected. They need everything. And he is going to provide. He spends the whole day, it says, teaching them. Interesting thing. We don't know anything about what, what he was teaching. That kind of wasn't actually the point in this case of why all of the gospel writers wanted to share this with us. They wanted to get on to what happened after all of the teaching after it had gone on all throughout the day and it was starting to get late. And then that's when the disciples start to get a little concerned. They start to get a little bit worried. They start to put the pieces together. Mm, this is a really big crowd and it is starting to get really late and they are gonna start to get hungry. And then some of them are gonna start to get hangry because some of us live with a person who gets hangry and that can get scary. So you're like, we, we, need, we, need, to get, we need to get these people out of here. I read an interesting story um, preparing for this. Uh, they were doing a study of um, riots and how a lot of riots actually emerge often from peaceful protests. But what happens is people will gather together and they'll start a protest. They'll, you know, praise, you know, there you go, we can do that. Um, but the day will go on and people will talk and things will happen. And as the crowd gathers, uh, all the food truck vendors recognize oh, we have an opportunity here. And so the food trucks start, start to pull up. And then everybody, as they start to get all hungry and start to get hangry, they look around and they see all these food trucks and they go and they get something to eat and everybody gets their bellies full and they get all excited again. They get some energy in them and then riots break out. So they discovered a very simple solution. They paid off the food trucks to stop showing up. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, we're not, we get it. You want to get paid. So here's some money. Here's how much we think you would make. Just don't show up. And so the protest would go on as planned. People would get hungry and the people would go home. The disciples kind of get that. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, Jesus, they, things could get ugly here. <laughs> like this could turn to a riot scene. Send the people home. But Jesus, remember, he's the good shepherd. He says, we're not going to do that in this case. He says, why don't you give them something to eat? But they have nothing to give. As I pondered this miracle and I thought about what it's revealing for us, one of the things that it really occurred to me, really struck me deeply this week, was how we so often want the miracle in our lives but we really don't want the circumstances that dictate wanting the miracle. <laughs> oh, geez, yeah, 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 yeah. We love the, the, the stories of healing, but we don't want to experience sickness. And we don't want the people we love to experience sickness. We don't want the people in our lives that we care about experience sickness. We love the stories of God opening eyes, but we don't want to spend a lifetime in the dark. We love the stories of Jesus setting people free but it pains us to think about having our hearts or our lives of people we love held captive. We love the story of multitudes being fed, but we don't want to be in the situations and the circumstances that lead to the need for miracles. So I'm only saying that as a warning, <laughs> as a caution perhaps, as something for you to ponder. As wonderful as miracles are, the reality of a miracle is that the situation, the circumstances, 
circumstances dictate that we get to that place where we do recognize, I do not have enough. I do not have what it takes. I do not have the power within me. I am at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for opportunities. I'm at a loss of resources. I'm at a loss for time. I'm at a loss for whatever it is that puts me in this situation that I'm calling on Jesus and I'm asking him to intervene. Jesus willingly puts himself and his disciples in this situation. You give them something to eat. They, of course, just start going into all of the math. Well, how would we do that? That would take, I don't know, look around, maybe half a year's wages. Well, why don't you just go and see what you have? And now John, uh, no, Matthew gives us this insight. He gives us a little bit more clues into some of the details. And it says that they didn't just go and find these five loaves and these two fish. It says that they actually found a, a young boy. And the boy had the lunch, and the boy came and offered to it. And here's what I don't want you to miss about that detail of the story. Who is counted in this miracle? What did it say at the very end? Did you catch that part? And there were 5,000 men gathered. Isn't it just like our Jesus to count that which is uncounted? to see those who are not seen. I love that detail about this story that the disciples are so busy counting the men. They're like, oh, the women and the children, bah, humbug, or I'm, I'm in a Christmas beard or something. Now I keep throwing out these Christmas things, but it's Jesus who sees the boy, who counts the uncounted, the lowly ones, the humble ones, the quiet ones, the ones who don't need to insert themselves and raise their voice and get all up in there. He sees the boy with the lunch. And that begins the breakthrough to the miracle. And you just gotta love, because when you think about the story and how it must have been unfolded, maybe this kid was one of the only ones who was listening. Because when you think about it, surely, you know, a couple other people would have clearly packed something. I mean, somebody's got, you know, another loaf and they just weren't willing to share it. I'm sure there was a great need, but maybe it was that young boy who was listening to all this talk about loving God. And one of the ways you show your love for God is by loving your neighbor, by giving what you have, by sharing with those in need, by caring for the people around you. Maybe he was one of the only ones who was actually paying attention saying, here's my opportunity to immediately put into practice all this stuff that Jesus has been talking about. And so he is the one willing to offer that little bit of lunch. Now, here's the other fun thing I think about it. He, he would have eaten either way. <laughs> the other thing that's great to think about this little kid is he, he could have just been there like, man, didn't, didn't, didn't all y'all think about the fact that we're out in nowhere and you didn't bring a lunch? Like, stinks to be you. Like, I'm going behind this rock over here and I'm eating my lunch. He didn't need the miracle at all. He had his lunch. He would have been fed, full, gone home, fine. He didn't need it. And the one who didn't need it is now the one who gives the offering to make it happen for everybody who does need it. That just blows, truly, that just blows my mind when I think about that. The one who didn't need it is the one who offers it to provide for everybody who did. Isn't that just like our God to work this way? That's the, that's the, that's the, 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 We'll call it the, uh, uh, the miracle mathematics, right? <laughs> miracle mathematics. I'm not too good at math, but I remember this much. Zero times anything equals what? 
Zero times anything equals zero. But you give God something, and oh, you wait and see what he might do. Oh, Jesus, all I got is one lunch. Will you just give me that little bit of lunch? Will you see what I can do with it? I only got a little bit of time. Just give me a little bit of time. See what I can do with it. God, I only have a little bit of resources left. Give me some of those resources. Think what I can do it. <laughs> I'm running out of energy. I don't got much left. Give me a little bit of your energy. See what I can do with it. You give God something to work with and God seems to be able to work miracles with it. You've give God nothing. And I don't know, I'm not gonna push it too far, but it doesn't seem like much happens when you don't give God anything to work with. You just gotta love how this boy who didn't even need it is willing to give the little he has to provide for everybody who was in need. And so Jesus takes this little boy's lunch and he gathers all the people together, gets them in groups of 50s and then 100. And then the first thing that he does, the first thing that he does, remember what it said? He gave thanks to God, which I just need to park there for just a minute. It does start with giving thanks and this is our week of thanksgiving. So I commend you, I compel you, take time this week to give thanks to God. I recognize that you might be in a lonely place. You might be in a desolate place. You might be in an exhausted place. You might be there, but still take the time to give thanks to God for all the blessings that he has poured out into your life. If you have a lousy job, you still have a job, but you can pray that you get a better job. <laughs> if you're having struggles with your family, you still have a family. Praise God for your family and give thanks for the good things. If you are having a health crisis, well, that means you still got some life left in you. Praise God for the life that he has given you. Ask for a miracle, ask for a breakthrough, but give thanks for the where you're at. Give thanks for the things going on. You know, try to see the silver lining, the bright side, the cup half full, however you wanna phrase it, but take the perspective of giving thanks to God for the things that he has done, for the things that you have, for the ways that he has worked. Take some time to give thanks to God. Give thanks to him, give praise to him, give glory to him, give honor to him. And share thanks with other people. Share that thanks. If you're thankful for somebody, if you're thankful for someone, let them know how grateful you are. You gotta love how Jesus begins the breakthrough miracle by giving thanks to God the Father before it even happens. Before the miracle even happens, Jesus is already giving thanks. Give thanks in advance. Give thanks in anticipation. Give thanks thanks and faith for what God can do in and through you. Give thanks to God. I think I made that point abundantly clear. He gives thanks to God. And then what does he do? What is the very next thing that he does? The very next action? He breaks the bread. I'm not smart enough to come up with this one. I read this one in a preacher's commentary. That which refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I like that one. I said, I'm, stealing, I'm preaching that one. Thank you very much. That which refuses to be broken, refuses to be blessed.
That's just something for all of us to ponder here, that before the bread could be multiplied, it had to be broken, which is pointing us to the reality that would soon come in the life and the ministry of Jesus, that before we could have our salvation, his body had to be broken. His blood had to be spilt. That which refuses to be broken, refuses to be blessed. Jesus broke the bread and the miracle begins to unfold. Jesus allowed his body to be broken and the miracle of salvation for us is multiplied and offered to all who call on him as savior. And Lord, I know, I know that some of us here, some of us here have already been broken. You've already been broken. You've been in a season of brokenness. I want to pray for you. I want to thank God for you. I want to stand beside you. And I say that, I mean our church community. I know that many here have already been broken. I want to now pray in faith that God can lead to the blessing, the wisdom, the insight, the ministry that can come from that place of brokenness in your life. Some of us have already been broken. Some of us, the brokenness is yet to come. <laughs> Some of us, the brokenness will come. Brokenness comes into each and every one of our lives. Brokenness came into the life of Jesus Christ. But it is in that brokenness that we can begin to experience so often the profound blessing of Jesus meeting us there. The one whose body was broken for you will meet you in that wound, will meet you in that hurt. He will meet you in that pain. He will meet you in those tears. He will meet you in that place of brokenness in your life. So I'm not saying look for it, but I'm saying when it comes, embrace it. Embrace the brokenness that comes in a fallen and broken world and allow Jesus to meet you there and do ministry to your soul. He will meet you in those broken places. So Jesus breaks the bread. He sends the disciples out. All the people eat. And we swing right back around to where we started. And what happens at the end? What do they experience? There is leftovers. Surely the God who was this amazing could have made exactly the right amount, right? But he didn't. He made more than enough. He made in abundance. He provided more than they could possibly have. I just picture everybody like kicking back, loosening their belt, being like, oh man, that was some good bread and fish. I, I don't know. I mean, that's not my favorite, but oh, that was awesome. That was amazing. And then he's like, don't let any of it go to waste. And he sends the disciples out. Every disciple goes out with a basket. And lo and behold, every basket is filled. There is more than enough in the provision of the shepherd for his sheep. It's the lesson of the leftovers. It's the invitation. There could have been more. There should have been more. There's always more when the shepherd provides for a sheep. And then here is the hook. He says, gather the leftovers. And then don't miss this. You got, a few, you got like another couple minutes here. You're still with me? I'll stop preaching if you're done. If you're bored, just tell me you're bored. But you're going to miss like the best part. <laughs> That's not really fair of me. But <laughs> so then the people eat. And the people go. And Jesus says, I'm still exhausted. I'm actually more exhausted than I was yesterday at this time. He says, why don't you guys go ahead, go back to Galilee. I need to have some time with my father. And so he stays there. And it says, during the course of the night, the disciples are in a boat and they're going across and a storm kicks up. And Jesus decides he's going to walk across the water and meet them on the other side. Because 
if you could walk across water, you would do it too. I would do it all the time. I'd be like, hey, have you seen this? And I'd like just walk across water all the time. It'd be the greatest party trick ever. I don't totally get it, but Jesus can and he does. And he's walking across the water. They see him. They think it's a ghost. They're scared. This is the part that everybody misses in the story. This is the part that I caught a couple years ago and it blew my mind because I love leftovers. Don't miss this part that so many people do. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the lights. They missed the lesson of the leftovers. The lesson of the leftovers is this simple and this profound. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I can't say it without singing the tune. I hope some of you know it and I don't sound like an idiot now. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. He is the provider. He is the shepherd who will provide all that the sheep stand in need of. And he will not just provide like the bare minimum. He will provide an abundance to the point that there is leftover so we can keep inviting more sheep to the feast. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides all that we stand in need of. He provided for Abraham when he thought he was going to lose his son. Whenever the people of God were enslaved in Egypt, he provided deliverance through his servant Moses. Whenever they were out in the desert and they couldn't uh, find anything to drink, he provided water from the rock. Whenever they had nothing to eat, he provided manna in the morning and quail at night. And when we needed a savior, he provided Jesus Christ for us so that we could be reconciled to God and have life with him now and forever. He is Jehovah Jireh. That was the foreshadowing of the old. It is the promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He will provide for all that we stand in need of. And what we need most is life. What we need most is salvation. What we need most is forgiveness. What we need most is his righteousness. What we need most is his grace. And he provides an amazing abundance on all accounts. Amen, friends? Amen. He is our provider. It's the lesson of the leftovers. Don't miss it. He will provide all you stand in need of. I want to invite Chase and Malia to come up, and they're going to lead us in some worship. But before they do, I'm going to take a chance. I, I don't preach like this too often because I've known too many preachers who have gotten into trouble putting things too far out stepping into the place of God and assuming they know all of God's plans and how they will all unfold. And so what I share, I share right now with some trepidation. But after a lot of prayer and preparation and thought and pondering this, I think that we have been in a season of lack, a season of little, little compassion, little community, little outreach, little gatherings. Many of our lives seem to have shrunk during the past 20 months of COVID. Many of us lost a job. Many of us lost income. Some of us have lost one that we loved. We have been in a season of lack, a season of loss, a season of little. But I want to ask you to pray for and pray with me for a season of provision. 
a season of the outpouring of God's grace and abundance in our church, in our lives, into our community. I want to ask you, if you feel like you only have a little left to give, if you are at the place where you only have one lunch left in your pail, I want you to pray and consider and think about what it would look like to give that over to God and trust what he can do with what we can offer. If you'd be willing, offer a Christmas gift this season. Offer a prayer for our church. Offer a prayer for one of your neighbors. Offer a meal to somebody in need. Offer a ride to somebody you know who doesn't have transportation. Offer a cup of coffee to somebody you know hasn't been face to face with anybody in maybe months. Offer a hand up to somebody you know has lost their home. Offer some little thing that you have and see what God can do. See what Jehovah Jireh can provide. See what miracle can happen from the simple offering of the little bit that we have. Because in the perspective of God, our Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, you know what, friends? No matter what you have to offer, guess what? It's just a little bit. I don't care if you're the richest man in the room or the poorest one in the room. What did Jesus say when the widow offered two pennies? It was the greatest act of generosity that he had ever seen. In God's perspective, we all just have a little bit to offer. He's just saying, offer it, hand it over, give it to me, trust me, have faith in me, work with me, see what miracle I can do. Let me pray for us, friends. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that through Jesus Christ, you are our provider. I thank you so much that you have provided for us that which we needed most. most. Lord, I thank you that you've provided for us our salvation. Thank you for providing righteousness and reconciliation, unity with you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit. I also want to pray for my brothers and sisters here who maybe they feel that they're in that place of lack, that place of little in their lives, that you will provide for them, that they'll be able to offer what they have, to open their hands, to open their lives, and that they will see you work in wondrous ways, our God of provision. Thank you so much for the lesson of the leftovers. Thank you so much that we know that with you, our good shepherd, there's always extra. There's always room for one more. You will provide all we stand in need of. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And now we praise you.